Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. It's part two. I screwed up the audio on part one, and hoping it's better this go around. Sorry, August has been a mess. Slow internet, vacation, and a bunch of other excuses, but I'm looking forward to getting back on schedule after Labor Day and appreciate everybody bearing with me. Also would love it if everyone or anyone could go ahead and write a review, like the show, share it with a friend, do anything you see fit to help keep me motivated and help keep bringing new folks and guests into the fold. Appreciate that. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. You know, you touched on it a little bit, you know, the, the early days when you decided to go uh, self-employed and you had, you know, initial ideas on what it was going to be. And, and I listened to those and, you know, knowing the Rolodex that you had and knowing the experience that you had, you know, based from your initial thoughts and where you are today, are you where you thought you'd be? Are you exceeding where you thought you'd be? What do you, what do you think about from the day you sat down and said, I'm going self-employed and now you're sitting here today? What uh, have you exceeded? Have you met? What do you think? It's become what I wanted it to be, and I'm probably about where I thought slash would like to be. I intentionally called it mass construction consultants and not consulting. And I always had the idea of adding on people, not to necessarily increase volume of work, but increase expertise and niche, right? Like I'm not looking to have 10 people that can write 241 plans and okay, hey, we can pump out more volume and make more money. Like that's, I'm zero interest in that. But to add on people that bring a different niche, because we, it's, this is, we definitely have a niche, right? There's different people in the marketplace that we might kind of compete with this person on education and kind of compete with this person on 241 stuff and kind of compete with this company on code consulting. But we're not the same as anybody else. You know, you could take a traditional code consultant and say you have Jensen Hughes and Code Red and Fitchmeyer and Tachi, and they might be doing it a little different, but they're all doing the same thing, right? Right. You're, you're the type of person that... I envisioned adding like no one's doing what you're doing. And I think there's a huge competitive advantage in that. If you create the area, you are competing with no one. Right. Right. Cause who am I competing with? They're pieces, but no one's doing what I'm doing. So I can just do it and that's it. Right. So I think that's a good place to be. And I think like, Who's going to compete with you, A, on just the, now there might be some people compete with you on your code knowledge, which is just vast, right? Um, like you, you're great at just like so much code and the recall of it is off the charts, zoning and Brookline zoning. Going back to like, I talked about it a bit in that other podcast. It's like the Scott Adams skill stack, I think is what he calls it, or talent stack where don't try to be the best at any one thing in the world. Try to be somebody that does five things 
and then you're not competing with anybody. Because if you're just trying to be the best code consultant or the best 241 consultant, there's, or in the example I used before, trying to be the best project manager, well, there's a thousand people trying to be the best project manager. You can't do that. But if you're trying to be the best project manager that is able to educate people in the company on scheduling, does the training for OSHA 30 and is able to consult with all the safety people and is also the favorite of your prime client, then nobody can compete with you. Right. Right. So, and I look at you and I'm just like, okay, Mike's got field experience that most people that are doing code don't have. Most people that are doing zoning don't have. So like you understand how to build a building you have a tremendous amount of code knowledge, and then you have this niche. You know, you know all zoning, but Brookline zoning, and you can teach classes and license prep. Mm-hmm. So, like with that stack, like that's that's a that's another niche that gets added. So, like, okay, now when somebody comes through and they're dealing with me about their CSL continuing in hours, and they're like, hey, we have ten people, we need to get supers license oh, okay, well, we have somebody in-house that can do that. And it's a niche. And nobody is going to Jensen and Hughes to get their credits and their license prep and um, information on whatever else. Right. 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 So that, that's the thought process. And I think, you know, four and a half years in now or whatever I am, um, adding the first person on and partnering with you to bring like another specialist in, I think is great. And there's a couple other specialists out there that I think about would be good to add. And so, yeah, I think I'm kind of at where I hope to be at, but not done. No, this is a good way to say it. No. And I'll just say, having listened to the, uh, you know, the original thoughts of mass construction before it was actually mass construction, I don't think you've, uh, you've met what you intended to. Uh, I think you've exceeded it, but that's your model that you set forth. You talked about it all the way up till now about not having barriers and rules. Uh, and I think you've morphed this into something that you want. And that was what was uh, so appealing to me is that you've, you've taken an idea, you've left enough wiggle room for growth, but also mm. for it to morph into what it is today as far as you know the multi- you know, multimedia as far as getting information out there. And as you said, multi-aspects rather than just concentrating on one area, education or just social media or just, um, you know, I think you've, you've exceeded. Um, yeah, that's my opinion. I'm mm-hmm. taking me out of it. We're getting back to Joe Kelly here. Um, but I think you've exceeded it. And, and that's because of everything that you talked about up till now was, you know, not having all these rules and not having, um, boxing yourself in to mm-hmm. what you know the idea has to be, so it just goes back to learning from from your experience. Yeah, and I think another. I'll add one more thing in there that uh, a couple of things. So doing CMP plans, that's traffic related, right? Um, having been a person that used to go down and pull the sidewalk permits and the street permits and the, putting the sidewalk deposits down and working with the transportation department and public works to, Hey, when can we put a crane here? What, uh, when do I need overhead protection and being a superintendent and like you working for a scaffolding company, like 
I can have a conversation with somebody about what BTD would probably approve and understand how they build a building. So, right. hey, you know, do we need overhead protection? No, we don't. Well, don't you have to caulk all the metal panning on panel on the outside of that elevation? Oh, yeah, I do. How are you going to do that? Oh, you know, actually, I might put a, you know, swing staging off the side. And I'm like, okay, well, people are going to be walking underneath the swing stage and you need overhead protection, right? Like, that's, I think, a, a regular code consultant is not having that conversation. And the same thing with 241 plans, like understanding how they build a building. And in the same way, when you talk to folks about code and, hey, what can I do from a code perspective? You can then continue to have the conversation, but okay, yes, that, but remember the building inspector is going to be looking for this. And when you go down to get a permit, if you do go this route, that's going to mean you need a special permit and you start morphing the code conversation into a permitting conversation. And that's where it gets tremendously valuable because a lot of people that have helped on the code side end up more appreciative of the permitting coaching <laughs> that right. goes on uh, in in the process. So that's, I think that has been, that's been huge in allowing to, to grow and not have those, those guardrails. So you have all this stability with the AGC, you have health insurance, you have a vehicle that they give you to travel around with. You have a paycheck that comes in every week or two weeks, whatever. I don't know yeah, what it was, but very nice. you have all this stability and uh, you go to your wife and say, Hey, I'm going to go out and be self-employed from here and find my own paychecks and get my own insurance. You have a child. You own a house. What did your wife say when you brought this idea across? She's awesome. Like, she has never um, once, like, questioned any move. And... I when I went from Bovis to the city, I was being paid less than half of what I was. So I was working a general contractor, took a pay cut of more than half of my salary, and she didn't balk. I mean, she buys into the listen, like whatever makes you happy, and I'm the same with her. Like she's left jobs plenty of times over the years with no place to go. And um, I have never once stopped her. I said, no, like you're miserable there. You shouldn't stay there. Um, now, not everybody can do that. And we weren't able to do that because we were independently wealthy. We just always chose to minimize so we i bought a house um and got it at 100 percent. did the bulk of the work myself um and karen and i had a bed in the living room and there was a first there was a first floor bathroom second floor bathroom so we kept the first floor bathroom which was the one thing that wasn't in that bad of shape and we had plywood subfloor we did the upstairs first so we could then move from downstairs to upstairs and then do the downstairs. But 
I remember for a long stretch, we lived in a plywood floor with um, painter's plastic mm-hmm. making a bubble around our bed. Right. Painter's tape to the ceiling, put a little flap in it, and we lived in a, a little plastic bubble while we fixed it and then um, finished it, sold it, um, made a good profit off of it. But from there, I think a lot of people would say, okay, now I can take that. I've got a decent down payment, some money, and now that'll allow me to upgrade to get a nice house. Right. We said, no, we're going to find another inexpensive house that needs a lot of work, the one we're in now, um, and doesn't need a lot of work anymore. It still needs some, but, um, and bought another really inexpensive house that needed a lot of work to keep our expenses low. Yeah. Low. Um, and there's stuff that comes with that. Like there's a lot of, there was a lot of times where like there would be level of frustration in our house around like this thing is never going to be done. Like I, like I, I was much more fine living with, stuff half done and then Karen was but um, I think that uh, uh, it's a long way to say prioritizing happiness at the expense of um, niceties mm-hmm. so a nice house a nice car like we always bought very inexpensive cars we operate with one car right now um, and even with me Ubering places, I did the math because I had a year of Ubering versus and even driving only like a Civic, a leased Civic that was real cheap. It was like having to be like a hundred bucks a month to lease it. Yeah. Even with doing that, but figuring excise tax and insurance and gas and maintenance and everything, it's still cheaper for us to be at one car. So are there days where I'm like, oh, fuck, I wish I just had a car and I didn't have to try and figure out how to get somewhere or uber for 120 bucks but i'm like all right well i don't have any choice but i'd do it in a heartbeat because it means that um we were both able to make choices to just be happier rather than having to make sure we paid some bill right so that was a a a question that was sent in um, via Instagram mm-hmm. question. Um, I'm going to continue on the Instagram questions because some of Go these for are it. good. Hmm. Um, and, and I think some of them are a bit uh, pointed. But So what somebody wants to know, what a pet peeve as a small business owner? Um, you know, what, what's... Back a house. Back a house. So we covered that. So I hate it. Excellent. Uh, time. How and, do you find uh, time? Certificates of inspections. Uh, no, not to, uh, we used to do a certificate of inspection. So, um, certificates of insurance, like all that, like all that back of the house stuff is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I hate that big pet peeve about time management. How do you find time family? Um, you know, managing a company now, not just yourself. Um, how do you, how do you find the time? Yeah. Teaching you're out in the field. Yeah. Uh, you're here at home doing the back of the house. Um, you, you're doing certificates in education and podcasts. How do you find the time? Yeah. I remember that one from Instagram, and I think they phrase it as, how do you find time to do everything? Right. Um, 
Uh, people hate this, especially the people that don't like the food talk and just want me to fucking stop that. <laughs> I won't. Um, a big part of it is the diet and sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the past couple months, I was not doing well on the food front because just like I slipped and... I definitely see productivity went down a little bit because of it. Irritability went up kind of a like, Oh, like this, this is just all fucked up. I should just give all this up. Like, uh, like you, like that comes in and I'm like, all right, I've done this enough to know that like, okay, I've got to dial my, my diet back in cause it's affecting. But when that's dialed in, my energy is great. So I can do a lot working having the office in the house mm-hmm. means i don't have that commute every right. day that's two hours knowing that i didn't sleep great or i'm kind of tired today i take a 10 minute nap and i wake up and then i go from being like really not productive to like i'll bang out five hours and work much later than i normally do because i'm just cranking out work and that's the thing like you can't do that in a normal office right Right. It can't be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not feeling optimal right now. I'm going to go sleep. Um, that would not, that would be frowned upon on most places, in most places. So the health stuff, uh, I'll, I don't do it that often, but I take naps when I need to. That helps with productivity. Not having the commute helps with productivity. And then doing the little, exercise which goes a long way which is i will set my timer for 50 minutes put my phone on airplane and i am not allowed to use the internet for anything and i have to work 50 minutes on whatever i'm working on and if part of what i'm working on means that i have to look something up to find that answer and it's on the internet or in an email i write that down on a side piece of paper And when my 50 minutes are up, I can then go look it up. But I just keep those little 50-minute bursts of true work with zero interruptions. It's like getting three times the work done. Occasionally doing that, using naps when I need to, keeping the food dialed in, not having the commute, and liking what I do, it makes it a whole lot easier. Like, do you find that it's easier for you to get work done because you actually like what you're doing now absolutely when you when you enjoy you know it's not a a, a burden like oh i have to get to this again or i have to do the same thing over again that's i I think that's a given that when you enjoy doing what you do you are absolutely more productive at what you're doing right and even you just present it in a in a in a better way yeah and you like also have brought my overall enjoyment with this up sometimes Um, Let's not go overboard. <laughs> yeah, As like, Joe is explaining about the 50 minutes of work, I usually sit here with my phone on the table and my yeah. phone's going, ringing off the hook. Yeah, and Joe puts headphones, sound-canceling headphones yeah, on that, that so he doesn't have to listen to me. I hear my phone ringing off the hook. It is a true statement. The one thing I can't get around is the fucking strobe light <laughs> on the ringer. So just in case you didn't hear it and feel it vibrate, it flashes, which is just awesome for productivity. Yeah. But... Um, no, like that matters though. Like I didn't realize like how much just like doing something with someone else is um, 
brings the overall enjoyment up because you're both working towards something. I guess it feels a little bit of like the team kind of thing. Right. Um, so that's, that's helped again. That's that motivation thing, liking it and all that kind of stuff helps with productivity. And I guess I'll go back. Looking, I'm just letting it rip today, I guess. Um, no, I don't fucking remember what I was going to say. Um, go on. It'll come back. All right. So another Instagram, another Instagram question that came in um, on the app. So what was most surprising uh, from where you started to where you are today? What was most surprising about that whole journey? Hmm. Oh, let me go back to what I was just going to say. I remembered it. Um, and now I fucking forgot it again. That's ridiculous. Um, I was thinking take about, the, I was thinking co- about take another the, sip of coffee. I was thinking about the question you were asking me. Oh, like trusting the process again helps me get stuff done because it's hard when I'm like writing an article or something like that. I just did one on stair signage and I'm not naturally good at writing. So it takes work for me to do that. And like, I'll have to get really dialed in and spend a lot of time. Like I'll spend, you know, three or four hours researching and writing, you know, a few paragraphs, but it's a way to, it stays motivated. Cause like, I definitely believe that if I do that and I'm putting good stuff out there, it will pay dividends. So I think that also helps to get a lot of things done is to know that the work you're doing will pay off. Cause if I didn't, I would have bailed on the podcast, wouldn't be putting as much content out for sure. And I need to do more like, but it's a battle. Cause I don't, if the time is, is a battle, like right now the podcast is late this week. I have three of them recorded, right. but I can't get the fucking thing up because I have to edit, edit it and all that and kind of stuff. Post it, yep. Yeah. So, um, what's the that pet next peeve? One? Pet peeve. We talked about the pet peeve. It was the back of the house. Gotcha. Um, so that works. The back of the house. Yeah, but that was something else you just asked, though. Um, no, that was it. What, no, no, you said. What oh was no, it? I'm sorry. What yeah. What was um, most surprising, other than the back of the house? What was most surprising? Uh, from the time you started till now, you know, that journey, what surprised you the most? Uh, two, two things. One, it worked. Right. Um, that was surprising. That, um, like it worked like I thought it would which is not what I thought, right? Well, I should, let me rephrase that. It worked like I wanted it to work. And I just went in, and this is, this goes back to mindset, which I've been working on a lot since I started. Like mindset, I've, I've discovered, maybe that's the second thing surprising. I discovered that mindset matters. And, but my mindset going in at first, before I had kind of adjusted how I, think about things my old mindset was nothing ever works something's always going to go wrong just prepared for when it goes yeah like i very much had that was used to be my way of thinking and then i did this and things went the way i thought they were going to go 
and that was surprising. So right. like, yeah, that w- that was surprising. Um, and then learning how much, how you think really affects the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And that was also surprising too. Gotcha. So this one, I'm not sure if it's fair or even if you want to get into it, but I think this is a pointed question from one of your listeners who, uh, the question is, who's your favorite client? I don't know mm. if you want to answer this because that's, there's going to be some people that are alienated here, but <laughs> hell, go for it and we'll let people argue about it. Um, I believe that one came from a client. Maybe <laughs> he was just, saying. he might've just been fishing for his own name. Yeah. I would take the fifth on this one. That's what I would say. That's just yeah, I want to. I want to honestly think about it before I take the fifth. Um, uh, what did Billy Bulger say when he was on the when he was testifying all the time? He had a particular phrase that he kept using. I'd like to use that if I could remember. I do not recall. <laughs> I think I will. I will plead the fifth. Gotcha. Okay. I have a lot of great clients. <laughs> Excellent. And you know what? Uh, To be honest, if somebody jumped out as this is my favorite client, I would say it. But anyone that is jumping out to me as a client is in the sense, the fact that I like them as a person. Right. So like they're my favorite people. Not necessarily a client. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, there's no client that jumps out. And I tried to even say like, oh, well, is there something where that's the best kind of work I like to do. But, um, yeah, there, there isn't, but there's a few people that I, I really enjoy working with them. Right. And, but that's about the people and not necessarily the client. No, that goes back to the human value, the human factor of what, you know, what you're doing here with mass construction is, you know, the relationships are really what counts. And, you know, there are some interesting people in the field that we deal with, um, you know, consistently, and that's what keeps it interesting. Some interesting people for good reasons and some others for bad reasons, but it keeps it interesting. And, and the human the human factor is uh, is always great. And there are some fantastic people out there uh, that we deal with on a daily basis. So, um, all right. So, you know, we, we really – we've gone over a lot of stuff, but we really didn't can this into, okay, you know – what is mass construction doing, right? We talked about it in bits, but, um, you know, you have the co-consulting aspect, the podcast, you talk about food and construction, you have Discord. Yep. You want to talk about um, all of it or any one piece of um, of mass construction, what, what's going on now? Yeah, that's a good point because some of the times the people that were asking uh, were like, what do you do for work, right? Um um, this is really just going to list them out, but we do code consulting, all parts of the code other than energy. Mike and I both hate the energy code. And I think most of it, at least on my end, is because I don't fucking understand the thing I opened and it looks like I'm reading Greek. Right. Um, it's not an accessible code. I don't understand it. So I stay in my lane and I think Mike and I both stay in our lane on that front. But, you know, whether it's accessibility do I need an elevator in this building? Do I need a ramp? Um, so is it an accessibility issue? Is it fire ratings on walls? It's uses. It's um, some of the stuff that overlaps, like uh, zoning and building code, where they overlap. Like, oh, well, is the use allowed per the building code? 
and then yes it is but it's not allowed per the zoning code so that's good to always look at everything um i have come across a lot of people that want just bits and pieces mm -hmm. and i tell them like that's dangerous right you know you want to call and say what is the answer to this question and i'll give you that question the answer but and actually a lot of times i just say no i won't because i want all the contexts because there's so many things involved so i think it's important that the way we do it is look at everything so you don't get give the person the building code answer but you didn't look at the zoning code and now they think they can do something that they really can't do mm -hmm. So the co-consulting, like I said, my kind of wheelhouse is NFPA 241. I also do some CMPs. Mike's wheelhouse is Brookline zoning, zoning in general. We both have the ability to do permitting. Uh, we've been doing a little bit more of that than we typically do since Mike's been on board, but that's really a selective kind of thing, whether we want to take that on or not. And then the education, both the CSL continuing ed, <clears throat> which a lot of people in Massachusetts need, but now it's really morphed. I might even say the majority of the clients now, um, and it's a slight majority, it's you know a little more than 50% of the clients have more people without CSL licenses in a class than that do have CSL. So it's really just construction education. General like construction ed, yeah. Yeah, like um, I was out at, myself and Regina were out at Lee Kennedy last week. Last week, what day is it today? Yeah, it's early. Um, this is terrible. I think it was last week. Um, and I ended up only having to do one certificate after the class. So we had a room full of people that wanted to know that we would cover in some 241 related topics and navigating the city of Boston permitting. And everybody was in there just because they wanted to learn those things. Right. And only one person was there to get hours. And then you do the prep class and the CSL continuing ed. So education, continuing ed, general ed, a couple of Rhode Island companies now even that we're doing mm -hmm. the teaching for. Right. The test prep, code consulting, and then some specialties between Mike and I, between NFPA 241 CMPs and a lot of existing buildings we've been doing lately. Yeah, a lot of existing building reviews. Um, do you want to explain to people what an existing building review is? This is about Joe Kelly today. Yeah, but, but I'll you want to know, you said yeah, what's mass what construction, what mass do, construction do, do? So, so existing buildings is essentially uh, it's a separate code, the International Existing Buildings Code. And based on how much construction you are doing within a structure and, and where the construction is, there are different levels of compliance required. Uh, and the code is not a code of requiring compliance. The code is actually based on the scope of the code is to allow for, you know, reoccupancy and reuse of existing buildings. So you don't have to bring them up to, you know, the code of you know, today, code. the current yep. code. Um, so there's a few ways to do a prescriptive, which is, you know, this is the code. You have to do it this way. Uh, then there's the more common, which is work levels. So level one, two, and three, depending on how much work you're doing, level one is usually superficial. Level two is a reconfiguration of space that becomes a level two. And the level three is if you're doing more than 50% of the work area or 50% of the building that you're working in. Uh, and each step up 
uh, you have to comply more and more with code, but there's also a lot of exceptions that this book gives you to not have to bring, for instance, stairs, or not to have to bring fire alarm or sprinkler into certain areas, depending on what you're doing. So it's the existing buildings code. It's kind of a, a roadmap of, all right, you have a building, you're going to renovate it. Okay, here's the thresholds that you need to look at. Mm-hmm. Some people can compare it to accessibility. And in the accessibility code, you have your thresholds to trigger new uh, compliance requirements. It's fairly similar to that, um, you know, the work you're touching versus $100,000 and then 30% of the cost of the building. So it's it's similar. It's a, a threshold of work, and the book spells out the code path. So yeah. that's and, what the existing buildings. Yeah, and then accessibility is, is a little more, it has some dollar value driven stuff, whereas right. um, the existing building code. It's really area yeah. and amount, yeah, amount of work in area. And type of work too, in some cases, right? Like, Correct. are you reconfiguring all this? Are you changing things? the use? Is it going to be a different occupancy? Yeah. And most people don't know that you need an existing building code review on every For permit any you file. Building, yeah. yeah that you, you really needed to decide where you go. It can help you as much as it can hinder you. It can mm-hmm. actually help you um, on your projects. So. And it's shocking. Most, uh, the amount of architects... That was the thing. Even when I was down in the building department, when that, because it was the last edition that we, what edition was the seventh edition where they brought in the existing building code, or was it? I mean, was it the eighth or was it the ninth? Um, I believe it was the eighth I edition. I think it's the eighth because I have the yes. two thousand nine and because then the, the seventh was a composite of the international code and the Massachusetts code. Yep. And then they scrapped that. We only had that for about a year, I think. And they went right to the ninth, uh, to the eighth edition, um, yep. so, which was based on the international code. Yeah. So it went into effect in the eighth edition. And still when we were in the ninth edition, I remember architects coming down and, you know, you asked for an existing building review or, you know, what level of work you're doing. They didn't even know there was level of works. So that's, um, it's frightening the gap with the existing building code that's out there. So, right. um, but as a result, we've been doing a lot of existing building code reviews, Mike in particular. So to kick back, I just want to hit before we talk to us about Discord, something that you started that my experience with Discord uh, was coaching a hockey team. You know, the guys, the boys on the team, you know, some of them were gamers and they talked about Discord and being online and being able to talk to people who play this game and setting up games so they all could play at the same time and then we actually used it as a scheduling app for the hockey team based on where people were located um you know and to get information out to uh people who needs rides um you know what neighborhood we are located in so you could get a ride from this person Mm. so we booked off rooms based on location and we also sent information out and scheduling out uh via discord as a, a a communication medium then I hear Joe say, okay, I'm going to utilize Discord. I will be honest. I said, what in God's green earth is Discord going to do in the construction community? And I was absolutely surprised at when it did roll out. So why don't you tell us about Discord? Yeah, so Discord has definitely been a lull as of lately. Uh, I'm a little guilty there. Um, But... You know, so it's just a community to share information and they have different channels that would be topics. But it's like, it definitely comes in waves. So there's like information that gets shared and dialogue and sometimes there's a ton of it that goes on. 
and then it all evaporates and there's nothing. And there's also times where I'm like, okay, this is benign information that's solving other people's problems, not really interesting to me. And then all of a sudden there's like this nugget or this gem that's in there. And I'm like, right. oh, okay, this is worth going in there to look at to find this one little nugget. So it's kind of like a lot of stuff um, passes through and it's kind of neutral and it's fine for some people, but it might not be uh, information that you need. And then all of a sudden there's a little gem where you're like, this is nowhere else. I'm so glad this person put this in here. I just learned something. Um, even sometimes when I'm sharing, um, some of the companies that do, um, like market updates, right. I'll put them into there mm -hmm. and people are seeing, okay, what's the lead time on all the different mechanical equipment and how many travelers are there in the tin knockers and the pipe fitters right now. I usually put those on there and I'm usually getting a ping from somebody saying, Hey, can you send me the PDF version of that? Right. And so it's stuff that people are finding valuable. I need to also um, start sharing some of the Discord stuff to other places so people can see what's happening there to kind of bring in um, more people. And, you know, there is the opportunity to use it as like a kind of like live thing where we could all hop on and talk. Right. Um, if people are interested in that, I would be interested in trying that out. But so much of this is just, testing try things you know right. um not everything hits but discord's a funny one discord i felt like in some senses it didn't hit and then other senses it was a home run so that's kind of my honest opinion on discord some of that's on me because i think as being the person that starts it i should be stoking the fire a little bit more and I don't have the time. Right. So. Right. I mean, the the unique thing from my perspective about Discord is it's industry professionals sharing information, and that makes everybody better. So yes. there are things, you know, for years it was, you know, I work for, you know, X company. I'm not going to tell the other company what we're doing, where we're finding this product, where we're, you know, how we're attaching, you know, what the detail is to attach metal cladding to a, you know, a building um, and that's, you know, that makes everybody better. So it's information sharing, uh, in the industry, which is fantastic to have everybody in that forum and sharing that information. Yeah. I actually had one PM who's been on this podcast before, um, signed up, but he said to me, he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, that's great. He's like, but no one's going to give their information to anybody else. Right. And he messaged me after he's like, Hey, he's like. I was wrong. Like, yep. um, but he also said he was guilty of not being willing to give stuff up. He's like, well, I still can't share it cause I'd get in trouble. Right. Um, right. but like you gotta, you gotta make the effort to break, uh, the barriers down and just share the information cause mm -hmm. in the long run you're better. Right. You might, yes, some competitor, then, like I said a million times, there is no secret sauce. You know, some competitor might benefit on something, but you'll benefit on 10 other things. So why not let them benefit in one and you can benefit on 10? That's the way I look at it. Right. So, yeah, please go on there. And if you're on Discord and you're just more of a looker, which is a lot of people are that, because can, you can kind of see who's on there. Right. And I see people that are always going on there, but they're never sharing anything. If you're going on there, share something, because... 
a lot of people think that, oh, everybody knows this. Right. Or no one's going to find this valuable. You don't know that. There's a ton of college kids on there that would like to learn. Or there's someone that just has never done that before. They might have 30 years in the business, but they haven't done it. So for you, this is something obvious. So if that's the case, please hop on there and share stuff. Get it. Where do we find it? Where can we find it? Discord. Yeah, Discord's tough on that front, which is you need a link to get on Discord. I will have to remember to put in the show notes a link to Discord. And maybe when we're done with this, after we um, stop, I'll hop on and re-throw the Discord link out in a few places. Great. Maybe you can help me with that. Okay. All right. Last but not least, um, you know, this is like the the typical... Uh, interview question where do you find yourself in five years where do you find yourself Ooh. in 10 years i'm not going to ask you that just okay. let's let's discuss um the future of mass construction and hopefully it doesn't include a pink slip for me but the future of mass construction what do you what do you see where do you see this going what do you envision happening hmm. with mass construction i hate to tell this stuff just because i'm a coward and i think if i say it uh and it doesn't happen then I fail, right? Well, it's... but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I don't. That's but that's historically how I think about it. I hold the cards kind of close to the vest. Um, I would like to see more. I would love for the podcast to be more of like a network where there are multiple voices under the mass construction umbrella and if you're into mass construction where it's a very broad thing because it really stemmed from back in the i've talked enough about like how there was no podcast out there for construction but it also stems back to when i was a superintendent you get handed a set of drawings and say here go build this but okay how did we get the permit for this? How did they decide that this is going to be office and not residential? And what does the contract look like that we have with the subcontractor? Like, yeah, we would look at them as supers, but like, how does that process work? Um, like there's so much to learn, like, uh, and then even like code stuff that you didn't know, like, okay, like why do I have to put stair pressurization in this building? I didn't have to put it in that one. And why does this stairwell have a vestibule and that one doesn't have, like, there's just this ton of stuff. Right. So I really want it to be about everything. So we're bringing in real estate developers, uh, engineers, consultants, contractors, professors, you name it. I want to talk about everything. But I think if you are interested in that, there's a chance you might be interested in just a podcast about being a woman in construction, just a podcast about code, just a podcast about building envelopes, just a podcast about technology and construction. Like there's all these little niches that I feel like if they come under the mass construction umbrella, that you could have all these little breakout topics and shows and they might only need to be once a month Mm -hmm. right or you and i talked about doing like a more series based kind of thing where like you drop six episodes on one topic 
and then three episodes and something else and eight. Like, so it's not, it doesn't have to be a weekly kind of thing like this is, but I think having those voices cross over to the mass construction show, the broad one. Mm -hmm. So that person that does the building envelope podcast, let's say I'm just, these are just the ideas that go through my head, right? Um, they're doing that building envelope podcast, but that person comes on, talks about building envelopes, or maybe does like, does that show on um, curtain wall anchors, right? And then hops on the big show or the top, the broad show, the mass construction show, and we do a follow-up. And I'm just like, you know, hey, Sarah, like you did this thing on curtain wall anchors, like, this part was fascinating. Like in, does every building need to have one of those? Cause I didn't see it, like, you know, and then do like a little follow up and have them on, have that conversation and let there be like this crossover between the shows. I think that would be very valuable. And I think some shows could be five minute podcasts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Like, and they all don't have to be hour long shows like this one. So I really think having these little niche under shows under mass construction, I think would be really valuable because I know lots of people that are like, I'm never going to listen to an hour long podcast. Like I want 15 minutes tops. Right. I just want this little bite of information. That's fine. But I know a lot of people like me, if I see a 10 minute podcast, I'm not usually interested in it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I want an hour, right? Like that's just what I like out of a podcast, but everybody's different. So I think we end up with a bigger audience by having more voices and, uh, different styles, but have them cross into the, the big show for lack of a better word. Similarly, I think consultants, I would be a lot more picky about who I add on than I would be about a podcast. A podcast, right. I would try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, but like bringing someone on, are there other niche areas that would be complementary and add value? We've talked about, you know, should there just be, you know, one consultant that handles permitting? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Because it helps solve people's problems we're already doing it now where like you have clients that you're working for and they're looking for a 241 plan and you're sending that over to me and I have clients that I'm looking for that need some permitting and I'm sending that to you. And, but at the end of the day, we're doing a better job of solving clients problems. And like I've had clients that are like, I just want, I mean, they say it by name, but they mean mass construction. They're like, he's like, I just want to have you available. Right. Like, cause I want you kind of on my team. And if there are people that join that would create that feeling with clients, then I think that's a good person to add. And then I want to just keep trying new things like the NFT thing. I would like to make that happen. I would like to be spending more time on discord I would like to be loading more content to YouTube. I would like maybe a, if I'm dreaming here, maybe a second camera 
Mm-hmm. So it could be edited and it wouldn't just be one still like shot the whole time. So you could just focus on the person as they're doing whatever. Those are all the things that I'd like to try and improve. Excellent. Well, so that was a lot. We covered a ton today. How many hours uh, do you think that was? I think that was two hours. That was, I think that was, yeah. Started probably before 11, I think. What time did it? 12, quarter of one. Yeah, that might have been two hours. <laughs> what does it say? Do you have the... No, it's because we're oh, recording on, on the camera. I can't tell. All right. Well, that was... That was a lot. That was a lot. I think that was kind of fun. No, I'm good. And, yeah, I'm still, we're still recording, so let's wrap it in some way. Yeah, it was fun. I don't know if I went too deep on some stuff, but there was like a, where I didn't go, like, yeah, the young stuff. Could have really probably went into pro- that. We but. probably could have went another hour if we actually got into it, and I dove in adding adding a leading, but uh, I think you covered what, what we intended to cover. Yeah. Awesome. So mass cons, what'd you think? I'm curious what you see for mass construction in the future, the mass construction show in the future, the group in the future, should we reactivate or reinvigorate Discord? Are there other platforms I should be on? Are there other ways I should bring more voices into the mix? I would love to hear back from people. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate everyone that has contributed in some shape or form to help make this last 200 shows. Couldn't have done it without you. Take care.